This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads on our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. If you'd like to join us in person, our talks take place at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Thank you, everybody, to come this afternoon. Uh, our subject, as you say, is forgiveness and the sun and, and the sons. And what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the act of pardoning an offender to be forgiven for something wrong that we have done. In the Bible, the Greek word translated forgiveness literally means to let go, as when a person does not ask for payment or a debt. Jesus used this comparison when he told his followers to pray. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 4, we read, Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. How did David deal with this terrible fall from grace when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba? And Psalm 51 gives us an incredible understanding into David's spiritual rescue from a place of arrogance and coldness towards God's voice. So it starts Psalm 51 and verse 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. David star by calling out for mercy. But why? Because he recognized that God's character is one of love and compassion. And from the time of Moses, God has revealed himself as uh, the compassionate and gracious God who forgives sins. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6 we read, And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow in anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. David knows that he doesn't deserve forgiveness, so he calls on God's character of mercy to remove his sins. He asks for a renewal, purity, and pardon. In verse 4, we read, Against you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. So you are right, and your verdict, and justify when you judge. Does this mean that David's sins against Bersiva and her husband Uriah were meaningless? No, not at all. But David recognized that the greatest sin of all is against the Lord. When he sins, he's showing the rebellion towards God. Yes, we can sin against people and need to be put these things right. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 we read, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and reconcile to them, then come and offer your gift. But our sin is even more against our Heavenly Father. It's that gap that we must bridge at all costs. And David now begins to compare his own sinfulness with what God, with what God desires. He looks inside himself. 
and sinfulness is not mostly in a person's actions, but it is also in the heart. In Psalm 51, verse 6 to 12, we read, Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the sacred place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let my hair joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or tie your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Is this inside person that we must change and cleanse? Our actions come from this inside person and from our hearts. And David's offering a prayer for deep cleansing. And if God cleans him, if God wash him, then it will be whiter than snow. While he has been separated from God, he has faded away. And now he needs the joy of the Lord once again. And the word restore carries the idea of turn back or return. And David has known the, the joy of God's salvation and rescue before. And now he desires for this joy and fellowship to be restored to him once more. It, it is a sincere prayer. Have we lost the joy of our salvation? Have we become to some degree distant from God? Have we taken God for granted? Or perhaps have we never really got to know him? God wants to give us the joy of salvation and is calling, calling us out from this world of ungodliness and immoral standards to join the hope of salvation. David also prays for the pure heart and a willing spirit. But isn't asking for too much. David has been a slave to lust, drunk with power, disgraced by murder. How can now pray for a pure heart? Is it too late? No. Can we be pure again when we have been corrupted? Yes, we can. God spoke to Peter in Acts chapter 10 and verse 15. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And also in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. How much more the, then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offer himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from act that leads to death, so that we may serve the living God? Do we feel unforgiven? Jesus died for us, for our sins, and he decided to forgive us, no matter what we have done. In verse 12 of Psalm 51, he prays for a willing spirit, or to be upheld by God's free spirit, for a spirit that wants to serve God, a heart that is inclined to him. Now, in Psalm 51, verse 11, uh, David prays against his great fear. Do not cast me from your presence, or tie your Holy Spirit from me. And David, you remember, received the Holy Spirit at the same time as Saul lost God's spirit. So David is terrified that in, in his sin, this will happen to him as well. Thus God's spirit will punish him 
but he repents and trusts God nevertheless. And now he looks forward to an answer to his prayer and how he will serve God. And, and Psalm 51, verse 13 and 15. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of blood, said O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. And in Psalm 51 and verse 17, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. But David realized that his arrogance has been broken. His heart is broken and ashamed. Until our heart breaks with sadness for our sins, we are not quite ready for forgiveness. So often we are sad at being caught or exposed, but not sad at hurting the God who loves us in spite of our sins. Many changes these days seem to lack the deep repentance that rip apart the heart. In Joel chapter 2 and verse 13, we read, Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. And the Psalm 51 concludes with a prayer for Jerusalem. Another Psalm that reflects David's reflection on the agony of sin, the struggle to confess and the purity of forgiveness, is Psalm 32. And David begins his verse of guilt of forgiveness with a mention on how privileged the forgiven person really is. Psalm 32 and verse 1 and 2 we read, Blessed is the he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sins the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. David use several words, words for sin and guilt in Psalm 32 and 51, each his own way. And we sometimes try to excuse and minimize our weaknesses and mistakes. But David called them for what they are, the rebellion, crime, and immorality. And given how sinful we can sometimes be, David is reflecting upon God's grace, his willingness to forgive. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 6 and 8, we read, David said the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. How miserable we are when we try to turn away from our sins and avoid dealing with them. In Psalm 32 and verse 3 and 4 we read, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night you have, your heart was heavy upon me. My strength was sap as in the heart and the heat of summer. And why do why we do this? The conclusion is, is, is fine in verse 2. Blessed is the man in whose spirit is not deceit. It is the self-deceit and our inside person that is so self-destructive. We, we might knock deep down that we have done something wrong, but at a certain level, we justify our actions, refusing to admit the seriousness of our guilt. 
The result David described from personal experience in verse 3 and 4, a physical and emotional drain that takes its toll on life. And the key is to apply truth to the self-deceit. That's what the word does for us. There is no earthly substitute for forgiveness. The inward person cries out for relief from guilt at some level. As we read in our introductory reading, Nathan was the man that God sent to David to tell him, tell him of about the incident with Bathsheba and Uriah, using the story of the rich man and the poor man as an example to show David that he was blind to the truth. Psalm 32 and verse 5 will read, Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And yes, we can and should confess our sin to God. And now that sin is confessed and dealt with, the nature of the Son turned to acknowledgement of God as a Savior and Protector. In Psalm 32, in verse 6, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you might be found. Surely, the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. David wants to pray to the Lord while he might be found, suggesting that there are definite times when God is near and accessible to us, and times when because our sins we just as unable or unwilling to come to him. And we must take an advantage of the opportunity to come closer to him. A few centuries later, Isaiah wrote Isaiah 55 and verse 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. When we do make peace with God, then we have his promise of protection in Psalm 32 and verse 6 and 7. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you might be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with song of deliverance. God is a protector and a helper for the weak. And we have heard the psalmist's voice, but now God speaks through David a, pro a promise and a warning in Psalm 32, verse 8 to 10. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which I have known the standard, but must be controlled by a bit and a bridle, bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surround the one who trusts in him. Now, once the Lord has cleansed us from guilt and, and sin and brought us into his protective care, he wants to teach us. He used the metaphor of a mule that will only come to the master when forced to a bit and a bridle. Don't be like that. The Lord has said, let me teach you. Let my unfolding love surround you. Don't resist me. Sin causes us to run away from God. In Acts 26 and verse 14, we read, We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Soul, soul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the gods. And the psalm concludes with a call of praise. Verse 11. 
Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright and hard. After repentance, David looked forward to a life of serving and obedience to God. He will not live a perfect life every day until he's dead. No one does. Yet we see that David bitterly and deeply repents of his sin. He changes his course. He turns back to God in obedience. And he committed himself to God, just as we can be restored to God's presence when we fall short. And David will crucify his body desires and live a new life with God's spirit in him. In First Peter chapter 11, First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 11, which we read, Try to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that will follow. And also in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And we must always daily renew our commitment to be servant of Jesus Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, for the rest of our lives. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6 we read, Obey them not only to win the favor when the eyes is on you, but as a slave of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. If we sincerely repent of our sins and confess our sin to God, He will be faithful to forgive. And the scripture reminds us this in First John chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9. If we, can, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purity us from all unrighteousness. And we should be grateful, thankful for Jesus Christ's sacrifice and for the Father's love and mercy. We should also, also be deeply thankful for baptism, which cleanses us of our past sins. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 we read, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But baptism is not the end of our repentance. It is the beginning, just as Paul still had sin in him, even after conversion. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 20 we read, Now if I do what I do, no one to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. And just as David sinned horribly, there is a way from sin available, even after conversion, as the Apostle John plainly stated. We thank God for the example of the great men and women of faith, recording scriptures for our instruction and to build us up, and even more than, than thank Christ as the shepherd of our souls. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 we read, He himself bore our sins and his body on the, on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for, for, for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like a sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Thank God for his loving kindness. He is the creator who can bring those who are repented to him. In Psalm 51 and verse 10, he says, 
create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And in Psalm 103, in verse 10, He does not treat us as our sin deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far is removed our transgression from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And humankind, as a sinful nature, Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. And humans have been sinning against God ever since. But God loves us too much to let us destroy ourselves. He provides a way for us to be forgiven. And that way is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus confirmed that in no certain terms when he said in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And God's plan of salvation was to send Jesus, his only son, into the world as a sacrifice for our sins. And the sacrifice was necessary to satisfy God's justice. Also that that sacrifice has to be perfect and spotless because of our sin nature. We cannot repay our broken relationship with God on our own. Only Jesus was qualified to do that for us. At the last supper and the night before his crucifixion, he took a cup of wine and told his apostles in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And the next day, Jesus died in that cruel death, taking the punishment due to us and made amends for our sins. On the third day after that, he rose from the dead Conquered death for all who believe in, in, in him as a savior. John the Baptist and Jesus commanded that we repent or turn away from our sins to receive God's forgiveness. When we do, our sins are forgiven and we are given the hope of eternal life here on earth when the Lord Jesus will come back to establish his kingdom. We can't end salvation. We are saved by God's grace when we have faith in his son, Jesus Christ. All you have to do is believe you are a sinner, that Christ died for for our sins and ask for his forgiveness and be baptized in his name. He knows you and loves you. What matters to him is the attitude of your heart and honesty. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.